Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Good morning once again. My name is Matt Garrison. I'm the online campus pastor. It is a thrill for me to be here. Those of you watching us online want to say welcome to you as well. We're so thankful for you to be a part of our church family. Well, next Sunday, something amazing is going to be happening. We are observing baptism. It's going to be at the end of each service. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, that is for you. We are so excited for those who have already signed up to be baptized. I want you to know that we would love for you to be a part of that as well. It'll, they will happen at the end of each service next week. So we are so excited. We consider them like a party. We want to celebrate, again, what God is doing in the life of those who will be observing believers' baptism as well. So Pastor Ryan started a couple weeks ago this series, Practicing the Way of Jesus. And he started by telling us that we need to get back to the basics, the importance of God's word. And then last week, Pastor Mike talked to us about the importance of prayer in the life of the believer. And this wasn't scripted. I had no idea what was gonna happen in each of those sermons, but at the beginning, both of those guys mentioned my name, okay? Don't know why, it just kind of happened that way. And they had some fun with me. And so here's the thing. Wisdom has taught me over the years that if you're going to make fun of somebody or have fun with them, make sure you're the last one to get up on stage and talk. Because then you kind of get the last word. So Pastor Ryan mentioned that I like Star Wars. All right, now I do. I like the movies and the TV shows, but I'm not into the novels or the books that kind of have come out over the years. What Pastor Ryan really loves are naval ships of like history. I don't think they're just boats. He loves boats. He loves schooners. I think they're called schooners. Uh, Just kind of the old school sailboats. You go into his office. I mean, you see the stuff all around. Now, like we just talked about, the student ministry is coming back today from an incredible and awesome weekend of ministry. No doubt Ryan will be tired. However, he said, as a labor of love, if you wish to speak to him this afternoon, about these ships that he loves, he would love for you to call him, all right? And just chat with him. So let's go ahead and do that. Now, Pastor Mike last week talked that I sometimes pray for this school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, called the University of Michigan, the Wolverines. Go blue, right? Like that's that's where I grew up, kind of in that area. That's my team. And sometimes I will pray against the team that Yes, yeah, that state school somewhere in Ohio. Like, we don't really care about that, right? And uh, sometimes, you know, it's true. I do pray, and sometimes God answers those prayers. And a lot of times over the years, it's like, seemingly, like he said no, right, to those prayers, and Michigan just gets crushed by said team, right? But here's the thing. We do, like, we're having fun with each other. Prayer is serious. And what I appreciated about Pastor Mike's message is talking about, When we pray, we pray in the good times and we pray in the bad times as well. And sometimes as we pray, we don't know, like God just, we don't know if is it a yes, is it a no, is it maybe wait a little bit, but we continue to pray. And so today we're gonna focus on another discipline, another way of Jesus that he modeled for us. And so let's go ahead and pray right now and we're gonna jump right into this. Lord, I just come to you now and just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave us so much, so many examples to follow that you modeled the way in which you want us to live. 
And so as we talk about communities, we talk about being in relationship with one another, and we look at the example that you modeled, Lord, may we just jump in to a community. In your name we pray, amen. Jason Kraft came back from an evening to his dorm room. He was really tired. So he decided, you know, he's gonna call in early. It was dark outside, it's the winter time like now. He says, I'm going to bed. And so as he jumps into bed, he was met with the unpleasant feeling of cracker crumbs all in his bed. Now, I don't know if maybe that's happened to you, if you've experienced something like that, maybe intentionally, unintentionally, but it's not a pleasant feeling. And so as he's thinking, who did this? It dawns on him. One of his friends, her name was Mindy, actually snuck in to a guy's dorm room. This was at Liberty University, so girls weren't allowed in the guy's dorms and girl, guys weren't in girls, vice versa, right? So he's like, oh my goodness, I have to get back at her. I have to retaliate. I'm not going to be outdone. So he calls his friends together, Dave, Eric, and Jason Pulowski. One other person was on a date with potentially his would-be wife in the future. And so they're out, he hasn't gotten back yet. So the four of them decide, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dress up in all black. We're gonna cover our faces. And this is the dudes here, what they look like. All right, this is what they're gonna do. So they're gonna go get revenge. And so they start off on this mission. And no sooner they get into the mission as they come up to the first of two girls' dorms, a girl happens to look out the window and sees these guys. She does what was logical in her mind. She calls her boyfriend who's staying like in a dorm a good little ways away, what we call up on the hill. So he's also in the baseball dorm. So he says, look, babe, we got it. I'm gonna get the team when we're coming with our baseball bats. So they're on their way. So they sneak up a little bit further and another girl happens to look out, sees them, and she does what was logical in her mind and she calls the police, right? Like to me, that's what I would do. Like if I see something like, like I'm just calling the police. I don't need, you know, dudes come with baseball bats, whatever. So she calls the police. And so the police are the first to arrive on the scene. So the guys are sneaking up, kind of the dorms are shaped kind of like a rectangle. They're sneaking up one side, they see a police officer walking this way. Like, well, we can't go that way. So then they decide to sprint around and come back up the other side. Well, what they didn't know was that there's actually two police officers and one was walking directly toward them. So as they turn the corner, they're just sprinting and they look up and they see this police officer. Now the police officer happens to see them before, the, sees them first. So imagine the scene here, you're the police officer, you're just kind of walking, checking some things out and you see these guys running towards you. What are you gonna do? Hey guys, time out, let's stop. No, 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 that's not what happened. That's probably not what we would do. As a police officer, you have a sidearm. So he took it out, points it in their direction and tells them to freeze, get on the ground. Now these guys were smart. I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, this is how they're dressed, right? Okay. And so they, they follow all verbal commands, they get on the ground and they have a lot of explaining to do. Like, why are you guys doing this? What are you up to? Well, we're trying to get back at this guy's friend who they kind of were flirting all the time with each other. So she snuck into, it was just kind of this crazy thing. They had some kind of community service to do around Liberty University, uh, kind of to make amends for this because apparently to be dressed like this, to have your face covered in Lynchburg, Virginia is kind of against the law as well if you're committing a crime. And so it was like, they really were sticklers to that. So they had some community service to do. Now the first, why am I sharing the story with you? 
is because I was, these are my guys, this is my crew. I was the one who wasn't there, but let me tell you something. If I had been there that night, I would have dressed up and been out there with them and would have had a gun pulled on me and I would have done, follow the verbal commands to the letter, right? That, so this is my crew. And here's the thing, we have so many funny stories. Sometimes I get up here and I'm able to share some of them with you, but we had an amazing time together at college. We still check in with each other. We use social media to do that now. Every now and then we'll get on the phone and call each other to see what's happening to keep our relationship going. There's also been times where one of us was going through a really difficult time. Sometimes one of us would just be bawling. I mean, just life happening. We're grieving, something's going on back home. And we just surround one another and we would just pray. And sometimes we wouldn't have to say a word. We're just there. And we're talking about community. That's what we're talking about. Having a group of people in your life that you just essentially do life together through the thick and the thin. So my question to you is, do you have a crew? Do you have these people in your life? So when you go through the difficult times, who can you turn to in your life to be there for you? For instance, when you get that diagnosis that brings your world to a crashing halt, who do you have? When you didn't get the promotion at work, do you have people in your life? Our high school students, when you don't get that letter to the college that you had your heart set on, in fact, you get the rejection letter, do you have people in your life? Or how about the person that you thought you were gonna grow old with? They just up and leave or they pass away? Do you have a crew, a group of people in your life who will just be there, who will grieve with you, who will help you? Do you have a group of people in your life who can celebrate the joys that life brings when you get the promotion at work, when you celebrate the anniversaries? Are there people in your life who will be there with you? There's good news is that God knew life was going to be tough, that we were going to need one another. And so he did something on our behalf. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, turn with me to John chapter 13. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, John chapter 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's kind of the order it goes in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospel of John. And we're going to jump around a little bit here in this chapter, but this is where we're going to be the main text that we're talking about today. Okay. And as you're turning there, again, having a crew, what does it mean to have a group of people? What are some of the things that take place in this crew? And we're going to look at the example of Jesus here in John chapter 13. We come to verse one, we see that being in community or having a crew means that we love each other, that we love each other. Verse one, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and he loved them to the end. That Jesus loved his disciples to the end. Now the setting here in John is this is the last supper. Jesus knows that his hour is upon him where he's going to be crucified for all of humanity. And he only has a little bit of time left to say some last words to his disciples and some examples to show them of what to follow. 
And so he's going to show them again, this characteristics to them and to us as well. And so the first thing we come to again is love. And it's kind of this chapter is kind of sandwiched if you're a bookend with this theme of love. And so when it says that Jesus loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and loved them to the end, some people think, well, was it to the end of Jesus's life? Is it an end to his disciples' life? Is it end to ours? What is it? And it's this connotation that it's all of the above. Jesus loved his disciples to the end, meaning the end of his life, that he was about to be crucified, but not just that, but he was going to love them to the end of their lives and for eternity. Similar to Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's like, I'm gonna be with you. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples here in this moment, that he really loved them. And so when we're in a crew and we have a group of people, this is one of the most primary things we do is that we love each other. We love one another. And so also when you see in, in the New Testament in particular, the one another, those two words in Greek is one, it's called alelian. And it has a reciprocating connotation to it. So whatever the word is before it, love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, and so on. What's really saying is it's gonna be reciprocal, meaning that yes, I'm gonna love you, but then you love me. Yes, you're gonna serve me, but then I'm gonna serve you. I'm going to encourage you, but then you are going to encourage me. And so as we talked about serve, that leads us to the second point of what we see of being in community, having a crew means that we do serve one another. This is an interesting example or model that Jesus gave his disciples in how to serve one another. Really interesting stuff. Let's keep going. Verse two. So it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now we're gonna stop right there a second because sometimes as I read scripture, sometimes I get some like head scratching, kind of like, wait, what? What's really going on here? See, again, it's not just a supper. It's not just Judas gonna leave and betray Jesus. Like we have an enemy. He goes by different names, but he wants to see our downfall and he wants to take as many people away from God as possible because he knows that we are God's heartbeat. He loves the world so much. And the only way that our enemy can get back at God is just to mess with his prized creation, which is us. And so he prompts Judas here to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And we're gonna deep, dig down a little bit deeper in just a moment. So let's continue, verse three. It says, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So picture the scene, they're getting ready to eat a meal. And right before then, Jesus knows, again, I have one more example that I want to show them. So he gets up from the table, takes off his robe, puts a towel around him and he does this. He takes this water of basin and he stoops down. And these guys are just kind of reclining around this table and he would grab a foot and he begins to wash it. Now, what we need to know about this society is that it was very agrarian. They had dirt roads, right? And so you get dust on your feet a lot because your shoes were open-toed sandals, open-toed sandals. And not only that, the primary method of transportation was beasts of burden, horseback, donkeys, mules, right? 
And do we have anybody like horse people in here? If you're online there and you kind of love horses, you get to say, hey, that's me. Anybody in here like that? I'm told, like I'm not really a horse person, but I'm told by those who were that horses like to eat one bale. And when they're done with it, they like to deposit, saying this nicely, deposit three bales. If you catch my drift, right? And so they're just kind of walking along and those things are in the road. And so you've got to dodge them. Sometimes we call them landmines. Sometimes they're called road apples. Maybe you have a different name for them. But as you're walking in this society, sometimes you missed them. Sometimes you couldn't, right? So again, this is just the reality of it. So here is Jesus. This is creator God stooping down, picking up a foot. That's just dirty. I mean, again, the stench, he's right here. And he's washing these guys' feet. That's a word. Guys is probably in a word, but we're moving on, right? He's washing their feet, giving them an example to serve. Because this is such a menial task. In this day, when you'd walk in from coming outside, if you had a house attendant or a slave, they would be the ones to wash your feet. And so as he's washing their feet, he gets to Simon Peter. And so when Peter asks him this question here in verse seven, he says, you know, or excuse me, verse six, he says, you know, sometimes we might think he's like, Lord, are you washing my feet too? Like, please, please do. No, this is like an incredulous question. Like with the emphasis on you and my, kind of like, wait a minute, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Like, no, no way. Because this is what Jesus replies to him. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. To which Peter, again, he even protests. He's like, no, Lord, you are not going to do this to me. If anything, I need to be washing yours because you are holy. You are the Messiah. I am not. I'm not God. You are. I need to be serving you. Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Now, Jesus, as his pattern here, he kind of like, drops what we call truth bombs or drops knowledge on these guys. And he's doing this right here as well. He's trying to broaden their perspective of life. And he says, listen, if I don't wash you, then you won't belong to me. There's a spiritual connotation that he and Peter start having here. Because then Peter says, well, in that case, essentially then wash my hands, my head as well, not just my feet. Like if it's my feet is good enough to be with you, God, then hey, I love you so much, wash all of me. Jesus says this, is a person who's been bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. See, Jesus is pointing to a bigger truth here that being clean means that those of us who follow Jesus, we're practicing the way we've acknowledged that we are sinners and we need our sins forgiven. We turn and trust Jesus for our salvation. This is the deeper truth that he's communicating with Peter here. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Again, menial task. Meaning when it comes to serving people in our crew, nothing is off the table. If you need something, I'm gonna serve you. If I need something, you serve me. 
And we see this time and time again, a lot here in this church with uh, some of you know my dad's story, what he's going through, and some of you are part of their crew. And they tell me regularly about that. Like, oh, so-and-so called me, they came over, they did this, they did that, and they're bringing meals, and you are serving them. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. That's, again, what we want. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's what we want for everybody. We don't want people in groups. We want people to have a community or a crew just to say, pat ourselves on the back and say, look at Bible Center. No, 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 no. This is much deeper. This is much bigger than that. Because this is what God has for each and every one of us. This is how he designed life to be for us. Again, being in community means that we serve one another, that we put each other's needs ahead of our own at times. There could be some of us here who are thinking, you know, maybe I don't, groups scare me. Being in community with somebody, having a crew, if I'm honest, kind of scares me because I'm just, maybe I'm not the type of person who just wants to share all of my mistakes, to share all of my stuff out there, the proverbial gut spilling. Like, I can't do that. Or maybe if we're honest, the issue is really because maybe we've been hurt by somebody. Maybe somebody close and we're, we're kind of concerned that if I get into a community again, on the level that we're talking and Jesus modeled, I'm gonna get hurt again. And so did that happen to Jesus? Does Jesus know what I'm going through? And so an excuse that we have for not being in community is this, I've been hurt by others. And so verse 21 tells us this in, in chapter 13. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Judas, the one who betrayed him, was one of these 12 guys that followed Jesus during his ministry on earth. And in verse one, that we read what said Jesus loved the disciples during his ministry and loved them to the end, Judas was a part of that. And something else that dawned on me as I was kind of preparing and thinking through this is just as Judas got up to leave, minutes earlier, when Judas got up, let me finish that, to leave to betray Jesus. And he betrays Jesus for like 30 pieces of silver, not a whole lot of money, but he did it anyway. And minutes earlier, he was one of the guys that Jesus had stooped down and served him by washing his feet, knowing he was gonna be betrayed. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, to have somebody hurt him. But yet he modeled community for us. He still loved him knowing that Judas was gonna do what he was going to do. So if we've been hurt by others, it's not trivial and it can be tough, but that doesn't mean we are exempt to not follow Jesus in this. That's not gonna happen all of the time to us. People don't always hurt you. Some do, most may not. Another reason that we're, we use for not being in community is maybe the awkward or out of touch people. Right? We see this here in this example, like, where are you going with this? We're like, what? Because let's face it, we can be random at times, can't we, as people, right? Uh, maybe you, can, you know of somebody right now, when right? I say kind of weird, random, maybe some awkward, you're like, oh, I know somebody just like that. Maybe it's you. I know at times I kind of say some things and it's weird, it's random and awkward, and I kind of laugh at myself. But, you know, sometimes you're like, you're kind of tracking along in a conversation, 
things are going great, and you're like, okay, it's kind of flowing, a natural progression. And somebody in the group asks a question, and you're like, wait, we're all right here, okay? And you are way, way over there. Like, and then you start to think like, okay, trying to figure out how they got there. Like, how did you make that jump from here to there, okay? Um, sometimes I've talked to some people, and they're looking me in the eye. We're eye to eye. And they're nodding. I'm talking. They're nodding. Okay. Okay. All right. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of do some, one of these. Kind of like, okay. I'm sorry. What were you just saying? I'm like, we had eye contact. You know, like, you were nodding along with me. Like, I thought I was connecting and that we were communicating. And you're not there. And so sometimes we just think like, oh, I don't know. And maybe we think like... We cringe at the thought of being in community with people like that. So did Jesus walk through this? Let's check out. Let's keep going. In verse 31, it says, As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So I'm now going to give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right? So verse 34 and 35, like this is some, this is a moment that Jesus is having. Again, these are some final words that he's saying, and this is one of the important things that he wants to communicate to them. He's saying, listen, I'm giving you a new commandment. What's interesting is like sometimes we think, oh, this new commandment was love. But if we go back and read the, uh, Deuteronomy, kind of Moses' farewell address, the fifth book of the Bible, the Torah, we read in chapter six, this prayer that still Orthodox Jews recite today called the Shema. This is hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these guys would have also known the Levitical law in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18, it says, love your enemy as yourself. Love God, love my, love my enemy, love my neighbor as myself. Okay, love God, love others. So this concept of love was not new to them. So what is this new commandment that Jesus is giving them? He's saying this love is going to be different. This love is gonna be a self-sacrificial love that I'm about to do for you when I go to the cross. And that you are gonna love one another that way. This is the new covenant that I am bringing in for you. This is the depth of knowledge. This is where Jesus was wanting to go in the conversation. The next verse, let's look at Peter's response. It says this, Lord, where are you going? I mean, this is a moment and Peter completely missed it. When I read this, I just chuckle. I'm like, yep, that would be me. See, he got caught up when Jesus said, hey, where I'm going, you can't come, but here's what's, I'm gonna give you this new command, love each other. And so he completely missed it. He said, oh, well, Lord, where are you going? And if I would have been there, I would have been like, if that wasn't me, I would have said, okay, Peter, where are, you, where are you at? We're over here. Like, this is a big deal that Jesus is announcing this thing here, that we're gonna love each other. And our love for one another is gonna prove to the world 
that we're disciples, we are followers of Jesus. And you're, you're kind of concerned about that? And so we, before we talk too badly on Peter, I mean, he's he concerned, like, Jesus, where are you going? Like, I want to be with you. And so Jesus is, challenges him in the next several verses where Peter says, listen, I want to die for you. I'm going to. And this is where he tells him, like, no, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. So again, sometimes, like, we think, well, hey, guess what? If, uh, you know, I don't have this crew, is that going to be okay? Right? This is an excuse. Jesus had people like that in his crew, in his group, in his community, and he still loved him. He still made room for him and was still able to teach him. So let's get practical. So this is all good and stuff, but now what? Where do we go from here? What do we do? How does this, what does this have to do with me? Because Jesus modeled what it means to be in relationship with others and that he wants us to be in relationship with others. He wants us to have a crew. And so the bottom line for us today is like when it comes to life, we need to understand that we is greater than me. We is greater than me. When I have godly people in my life that are gonna love me and I'm gonna love them, they're gonna care for me and I'm gonna care for them. They're gonna serve me and I'm gonna serve them. They're gonna help me when I need it and I'm gonna help them when they need it. When we have a group of people like that in our lives, life goes better. Life goes better when we understand that we is greater than me. So this means that the celebrations, the highs in life, the highs are higher when we have people to celebrate with in our lives. But here's the cool thing too. It also means that the lows are softer. That when we hit rock bottom, when we have a crew, when we are in community with others, yeah, life is gonna get messed up at times and we're gonna go through difficulties. We're gonna go through storms and hard times at rock bottom will be softer. Because as we get the news that devastates us, there's gonna be people who will surround us in prayer, people who will be there for us. There's just something about knowing that I am not alone, that I am not the only one in this boat, that there's others with me. There's something comforting about that. And Jesus modeled that for us. So let's get practical. If we look at our lives and we don't really have a crew, maybe we're not really in community, we're not a group of godly spiritual friends in our lives to share the joys with and the kind of the, the pain that life, the hard times that life can bring us, what do we do? Well, my challenge for each and every one of you is simple. We want you to join a Sunday group for two weeks, starting next week, all right? Because it's so important and so valuable that we practice the way of Jesus and he modeled this for us of being in community. Try a Sunday group for two weeks. Those of you online, we have online groups for you as well. You can go to the website or app and click on the next steps link there, kind of click the join a group, let us know, and we will get you connected to a group. Why Sunday? It's because you're already here. So it's not yet another thing or another night of the week or evening or day of the week that you have to do something. You're already here for two weeks. I'm not asking you to commit the rest of your life to a group. Just try one for two weeks. You think, well, hey, great. If that's me, um, how do I know which group to attend? That's a great question. Wonderful. 
As you leave today, there's gonna be some people out here. We call our next steps wall. If you're coming out this direction, it's right over here. Those of you leaving this direction, it's right there. There'll be people there who will talk with you and figure out what one would probably be the best fit. And here's the thing. This is your personal invitation. The group, the group leaders are expecting you. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything. You just show up and the red carpet will be rolled out for you. They are expecting you. And we can't wait. But if you try that group the first week and you're like, you know, this isn't a good, this isn't a good fit. What am I gonna do? Try another one the next week. The group, the group leader, they're not gonna be offended because they are excited that you're trying a group. We want one that's going to fit you best because it's so important, the value of community. And if you are in community with others, kind of like we've been describing, like, yeah, I have my crew. My challenge to you is to continue to love and serve each other. And not only that, look for others around you who are looking for a crew and invite them to be a part of your crew because we all need it. And if you've benefited from that, you know how important and essential it is for us to be in community with one another. What's interesting is that what Jesus in John 13, 35 says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It says we are in community, loving, serving, caring, helping. The world takes notice of that. Because it doesn't take much if you turn on the news, turn on the TV to see that, man, we've got a lot of problems. There's not a lot of love. There's not a lot of caring and loving and nurturing going on in our world. And so when the world looks in, they see us. They want what we have. They want to be a part of this. We see this in the book of Acts as Christianity is kind of rolling and they're seeing this community that Jesus had modeled. As they see this, they realize that persecution is happening. Like if I join this following Jesus way, practicing the way of Jesus, if I follow him, like it could cost me my life. But guess what? It's incredible what I'm seeing here. I'm still in. I'm in. So again, will you? Will you find your crew? What if we really live like we is greater than me? What if we live that way? Imagine how our life would be different. Imagine having people in our lives to celebrate the joys and to be there in the lows. Life is gonna be, it would be so amazing. Knowing that no matter what happened to me, the mistakes that I make, the curveballs that life throws my way, the storms that come in, that I am not doing life alone anymore. That I have people there to help me. People that want the best for me. Because that's the community that Jesus modeled and that's what he wants to be true of us. So let's get our crew. Let's live as if we is greater than me. Let's pray. Jesus, as we close our time together, you know, we thank you for this example that you've given to us, Lord. That being in community, having relationship with one another, if you at the center is so important. God, may we step out of our comfort zone and may we maybe try a group for just two weeks. And if we're in one, may we look for others to invite into this community of love and help and serving one another, Jesus, as you have for us. Again, we thank you for your love. In your name I pray, amen. For more information, visit us at biblecenterchurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.